Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 33. And they said to him, now this is the Pharisees talking to Jesus and the scribes of the Pharisees, or the Pharisees' minions, whichever way you want to put it. And they said to him, the disciples of John, talking about John the Baptist, the disciples of John often fast and offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees also do the same. What's funny is it's the Pharisees speaking, talking about themselves in the third person. Goofy. But disciples of the Pharisees also do the same. But yours eat and drink. In other words, your disciples and you are gluttons and drunkards. That's what they're saying. The Pharisees are accusing Jesus of. And Jesus says this to, he says, you cannot make the attendance of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them. Can you? But the day will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast in those days. Verse 37 goes on to say this. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking the old, after drinking the old wine, no one wants the new. For he says the good, the old is good enough. The old is good enough. Father, I pray right now that by your spirit, we have eyes to see what you're trying to teach us, what you're trying to reveal to us in the season that we find ourselves in right now, God. Let us see it. I pray for any blinders to be removed in this place right now by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Any hardness of heart, God, we cry, come down. Just like the walls of Jericho, let them fall to the ground. Let our hearts be exposed before you today so that you can make us more like you by your spirit. Show us what you expect of us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Before you're seated, tell your neighbor, say, I'm positioned for pressing. I'm positioned for pressing. I'm positioned for pressing. Good morning, church. Boy, it's good to see everybody. Uh, we're so grateful that you're here. And to all of you who are watching online, man, we love you guys and appreciate you. Um, however, man, we're going to hop right into to this thing this morning, and I'm going to skip over some of the other pleasantries um, because there really is an urgency that, that God has placed in my spirit by the spirit for the word that he's given me today. And, and man, look, if there's anything that this time we are living in should have done for us, is it really should be creating an urgency within us to go after Jesus with everything that we have. An urgency to, to grow closer to the king day in and, and day out. The, the time that we are experiencing right now should cause us to dig deep into his, his word. That's why they're trying to manipulate his word. Because I really believe God has created an urgency for his word. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain, okay? And so if there's anything this time should be doing, it should be causing us to, to be hungry for God's word. You know, there's a scripture in Luke chapter 18 that's really been messing me up for several months now. And I've shared it with about every single person that I trust um, to talk through it because it's really messing me up. In it, it says this, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, man, when I return to the earth, when I come back, how I many know the king's coming again? He's coming again, I promise you. He's coming for a bride, one without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. He's coming. Believe me, he's coming. But he says, when I come, when I return for those who have said they've given their lives to me, will I find any faith? Will there be any faith in the people who have declared their love for me? And look, I don't know about anyone else, but that scares me because that's an indictment that, that, that scares me. See, see that's, 
That's get, that, that gets me thinking and, and praying. Now, I probably have that, I know I have that backwards. I should be praying then thinking. But I start thinking and praying because I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're talking about us. You're, Jesus, what do, you, what do you mean? What do you mean will you find any, any faith at all? He's saying, will my people be ready for me? And not, listen, the faith that we have in our minds, I promise you, isn't the faith that he's expecting. That'll mess us up a little bit, for real. So think about this. Think about the disciples. They can't stop the winds or the waves and the storm. He says, oh, ye a little faith. We have a hard time praying for a cold to be gone and having faith for it. The lame are not walking. And he's saying, you have little faith. This is the type of faith that Jesus requires. This is the type of, of faith. And so, so, man, this should cause us more now than ever, right now, the time we are living in, man, to search the word of God so that we know the heart of God because we need to be ready for when he returns. See, see the thing is, look, the thing is this. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. And not just simply saying, I believe in Jesus. No, 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 no. Even the demons believe in him and shudder at his name. That's the Bible, okay? King James or any other version, right? Like, even the demons know him and shudder at his name and believe in him. No, no. He says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. Not the faith that we think we need, but the faith that God declares we have to have. And if we are found to be without that type of faith, then we will be a people that do not please God. And if we're not pleasing to God, we will not enter into eternity with God. Believe that. And so the time we are living in right now today, if it doesn't, if it doesn't do anything else for us, man, let it cause an urgency to rise up within us. To say, Jesus, I want you. I want to please you. I want to know you. And I want to walk in the faith that you require me to walk in. This needs to be the prayer of our hearts so that we search the word of God so that we study to show ourselves approved. And I'm not talking about coming in and just hearing one message on Sunday. I'm saying studying God's word, dissecting it, chewing on it, being in it, studying to show ourselves approved so that man will live the way he requires us to live. Which, which, by the way, is the sole purpose for the series we've been in titled Position, right? This is, I think, the 11th week, We're part 11. We got a couple more, and then we'll move on. But <clears throat> that's what this entire series is, is based, of, based off of, knowing how to be positioned before God so that we can receive from God. And, and today's message is a critical part in the process of following Jesus. Critical. Critical part. And, and, and we're going to title today's message this, Positioned for Pressing. Come on, say it with me. Positioned for Pressing. One more time. Positioned for Pressing. Be, be, because hear me, hear me. The pressing is the process that God uses to prepare us for his glory. Let me say, let me say it one more time, just because I don't want you to miss it. I need you to catch it. The pressing, when God begins convicting us concerning sin. When there's trials and tribulations that are coming down upon us. That's called a pressing process. And it's the pressing that God uses as the process to prepare us for his glory. And this is very uncomfortable, by the way. It brings hurt. It brings pain because it ultimately keeps our flesh from having what the flesh wants to have. That's why the Bible says the spirit and the flesh are constantly warring against one another, trying to keep the other one what it desires. So there's a real war and a battle happening and God begins to press us so that the only thing that remains in us is the spirit of God. That's what the pressing does concerning sin and all the other things we deal with. The Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, for I consider that the sufferings, for I consider that the pressings of this present time, to not compare, 
to the glory that will be revealed. There's that word glory because it's the process by which God prepares us for his glory. To the glory that will be revealed to us, meaning in the end, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. But we must endure it. We have to endure it. The pressing process and the crushing process and the, and the pruning process, all three, by the way, slightly different ways that God does it, but to bring about the same result. They're slightly different in how God goes about doing those things, but all of them are meant to do the same thing. And these things, they, they hurt, but we must endure it. We must endure it. You know why? Because the only type of saving faith is faith that endures to the end. That's it. That's the only type of, of saving faith. See, the faith that can withstand the pressing is the only type of saving faith. That Job type faith that says, although he slay me, although all of life is crashing down all around me, although even if it's him slaying me, I choose to serve him. That Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego type faith. That yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, world, you could throw me into the flames and we believe that God can save us. But even if he doesn't, I still serve him. The type of faith that says, I don't care what comes at me. I don't care what the world has to offer me, whether it's riches and fame. and that I don't care. I still choose you, Jesus. This is the type of, of faith that Jesus requires. It's not a suggestion. It's not like a recommendation. No, no, no. It's a requirement from him. We take the Bible as recommendations a lot of times. Like, oh, it's probably good if I did. No, 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 no. We have no say in it. You know, it's not a democratic republic. This is a monarchy. When God says it, we do it. And when we don't, he presses us us. It's not a recommendation to live by this type of faith. It's required. But this type of faith can only come about through the pressing process. It takes the pressing. And so I have an illustration for you today. Praise the Lord. It's a wine press. In case you couldn't have guessed that already, <clears throat> just in case. But it's a wine press. I have a bottle of wine and some grapes, okay? And listen to me, this sermon is not about drinking. Praise God. <laughs> like, it's, it's not about drinking. So, so don't read into it and make it something that I'm not speaking about. Please, I pray, right? And, and yes, I feel like I need to clarify that because if not, I'll have people calling me, emailing me, telling me what I meant with what I said. Praise God. So, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Love it, love it. But I have wine, grapes, and oppress, not advocating, simply illustrating what God does to us, what God does to us to take us from, from this to this. See, see, in order to, to, to get these grapes into wine, it's gotta go through a pressing. See, see these, these grapes didn't just decide one day, hey, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a bottle of wine today, right? Beep, boof. No, no, no. No, they, they didn't just go from this to this. They didn't go from something that you eat to something that you drink in a moment, in an instant. They didn't go from what I'll say is, eh, eh, to, mm. Look at your neighbor say, mm. Tell them, say, mm. It didn't go from, eh, to, mm, without first going through the long and grueling process of the pressing. See, the problem with a, a lot of us, a lot of times, us meaning me with you, is we want to go from eh to mm without dealing with the pressing. For, for real, we, we want the power of God without allowing God to press us. See, we, we, we want the anointing of God 
but we don't want God pressing us. We want the blessings from God, but we're like, God, you can keep the pressing. Just give me the blessing, keep the, the pressing. But, but, but it's, in the, it's in the pressing. It's in them, them times when it's bearing down and there's a weight on us and there's a, a pressing that begins to, to squeeze us and press what's, what's in us out of us. See, it's, it's in the pressing and it's in the crushing that God is making us into a brand new vessel. It's in the pressing that he is, he is making us an acceptable sacrifice. Did you, did you know that, that there is an acceptable way that God receives? There's a way he requires that we have to be acceptable to him. You know, one of the things that the church has done really good at, right? We've done great at preaching the blessing, right? We've done so good. We're so good at, you know, telling people, man, you're the head and not the tail. You're above, not below, right? You're blessed and you're coming. You're blessed and you're going. You're blessed in the city and you're, and you're blessed in the country. Man, we got that down, Jack, because it gets the loudest amen. It gets the roar of the crowd, right? I get this. Woo! Give me the blessing, pastor. We've done a great job at that, but we've done a horrible job at teaching about the pressing. Because the blessing is so much nicer when you're preaching. So much nicer. But, but because the church has, has, has done that, derelict their duties, dare I say. A lot of people, man, they come to Jesus and they think it's all hugs and bubbles, man. Like, oh, it's so great. Everything's gonna go my way. Every crooked path will be made straight, right? And, and, and all those things are a part of the promise. They're a part of it, but it's just part of it. But they think, man, I give my life to Christ, man, my marriage will immediately. It, it'll go from meh to mmm. My marriage is mmm. Praise the Lord, I praise you. <laughs> my marriage is good. I won't talk about the good stuff. But anyway, they think they can take it from eh to mmm in an instant. Because they hear us preaching only the blessing. That's all they hear. And so they're like, yeah, man, because I'm struggling, right? I come into church. I'm struggling because it's the right place to be if you're struggling. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the one you run to in a crisis. I promise you. Because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never let you down. He's incredible. Right? But they'll come in and they're struggling. And we'll be preaching about the blessing. And they're like, yeah, I'll sign up for that. I want some of that. But they never hear about the pressing. And because they don't hear about the pressing, when the pressing comes, they get discouraged and they fall away. And they're like, well, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. Like, this hurts. You mean I gotta, you mean I gotta let God cut things off of me? You mean I gotta count the cost and follow? You mean I gotta crucify myself, pick up my cross and follow him? I gotta deny myself? No, I didn't hear that, man. I, I heard blessing. But, but there is a, there's a real pressing process to following Jesus. There's always a pressing process that we must go through, especially if we desire to walk in the fullness of God, especially if we desire to operate in the anointing of God and demonstrate the power of God for the glory of God to be revealed to us. It always comes with the price and the price is pressing. He presses us. We must go through the pressing process from God. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, right? This is what he says. He says, I urge you, which is not a recommendation. It's a requirement, a, a must. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. Acceptable, there's the word again. Acceptable, God is looking for us to be acceptable acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Paul's preaching about the pressing. You want to talk about being pressed to become a sacrifice. He says, even now I'm being poured out as a drink offering before God. Paul was a beast. And he's saying, man, you, 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 you must be a living sacrifice, holy and separated only for the glory of God. In other words, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. Like, man, I kind of like it over here. You know what I mean? Kind of like sexual immorality. I kind of like that. 
right? I kind of, I kind of like this. I can no, 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 no. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. I get rid of it, God. I give it to you, Jesus, because it's your spiritual service of worship. And see, this is where we must dig deep into God's word. Because if we don't, then we won't understand that Paul was gleaning this from a teaching that Jesus gave. See, Jesus at the woman at the well, right? He begins to tell her what it looks like to worship, how we have to worship God. He says, look, if you want to worship God, he's spirit. So you got to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so in other words, if we desire to bring God worship, then there's a way he commands us to do it. And Paul says, he adds to that and says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You give the, the worship the way, God, the way God takes it or receives it, it's through pressing. It's because you have now become a living sacrifice and God receives your worship. Let, let me take it a, a step further. If we desire to worship God, the only way that God receives worship, this is what this text is saying. This is what Jesus and Paul are trying to get across. Right? See, see, I think a lot of times we, we think that God is concerned with the genre of worship. You know, he could give two rips about the genre of worship. We care about that. God, God don't give a rip about the genre of worship. He don't care if you sing a hymn or a hook, a chorus or a verse. He doesn't care if you sing Christian pop or Christian rock. He don't care if it's a rapper or a choir. As long as it's done in spirit and in truth. That's the only way that God receives worship. And Paul is revealing this by piggybacking off of Jesus. And he's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only way that you can worship in spirit and truth is by the pressing. By presenting yourself as a living sacrifice before God. The only way that we can go about worshiping God the way God receives it is by becoming pressed into a living sacrifice. So if we desire to worship Jesus, if we desire to live for Jesus, if we desire to be filled by Jesus, we must be crushed and pressed before that will happen. And after the pressing, then comes the blessing. Then comes the blessing. But see, we've got to talk about this pressing. We, we have to talk about it. I know it didn't get me any amens. It didn't get me none in the first service either. So you two, you guys are all good. Like the same thing. Praise God. I was expecting it. I already went through it once. It's not going to get us no amens. That's okay. I don't need your amen. I need to be faithful what God said to speak. But that's the, that's the pressing. And we got to go through it. If we desire for God to, to fill us. And we've got to talk about it so that we're not caught off guard by it. Because there's always a pressing. Jesus talking to Peter, Luke chapter 22. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. That's a pressing. It's a sifting, another form of pressing. He's asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. He doesn't say, I'll stop him for you. No, no, no. He says, I prayed for you. And after you endure it, when you endure the pressing, you'll return. And then after the pressing, after the sifting, after the pruning, after, after the crushing, after that, then you'll return and you'll strengthen your brothers. But you, but you got to go through this painful process. Because the pressing makes our faith stronger. And, and, and look, do you know what I find to be so amazing about God? with this pressing process. It's literally amazing. It doesn't matter who sends the pressing. It doesn't matter if Satan sends it or God sends it. And the fact that this, God will always use it for good and his glory. It just, it just it doesn't matter whether Satan sent it or he sent it. God's still gonna bring good from it for his glory to be revealed on the other side of it. However, I will say this. I'll give a caveat with that, though. It is good to discern who is sending the pressing, though. <laughs> it is good because, listen to me, if God sends the pressing, there's no rebuking the pressing. You can't get rid of it. Right? Like you can rebuke all you want. Stop it, God. This hurt. It don't matter. He's a creator. He'll do what he wants. He sits in the heaven. You're on the earth. Right? He's God. We're not. 
So God sends the pressing, you can't rebuke it. But if the enemy does, you can rebuke it. Think about the story of Jonah. How many know the story of Jonah? You guys with me? Praise God. Okay, so the story of Jonah. God shows up, tells Jonah, hey, I want you to go preach a message to the Ninevites. Preach salvation to the nation of Nineveh. Jonah didn't like it. He didn't like it. You know why? The Ninevites were evil people, mean people. They had persecuted the Jewish people for centuries. They had raped their women. They had pillaged their villages. They had burned them down. They'd killed their men and their young boys. For years and years, they'd done this. So Jonah's ancestors would have dealt with it. I mean, directly dealt with it. And so he's like, wait a minute, God, wait a minute. I don't want to do that. Because if I go and preach repentance, they'll repent and you'll forgive them. Like, duh. That's what I do, Jonah. That's the point. But he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want them to be punished, not forgiven. I want them to be punished. And so I'm not gonna do it. And so he takes off in the opposite direction. Hops on a boat thinking he's gonna outrun God. You can never outrun God, by the way. Can outrun someone who's everywhere, who's omnipresent, right? So takes off in the opposite direction away from Nineveh. God, what's he do? Sends a storm upon the sea. He sends a pressing. Until Jonah turned and started to obey God. He couldn't rebuke the pressing because God was the one sending the pressing. And here's the thing, God will always send something to press us when we're being disobedient to him. You know why? Because he loves us just too much. He loves us too much. He loves us too much and he needs us to be obedient. You know why? Our obedience proves our love for him. It proves, that's what the Bible says. I know who loved me by those who obey me. It proves our love for him and it proves that we, we wanna serve him, our obedience to him. But look, you, you fast forward, right? Fast forward several hundred years. Mark chapter four and Luke chapter eight, you find Jesus. He's in a boat just like Jonah. He's heading across the Sea of Galilee, going to free the demoniac, meaning the guy had a bunch of demons in him, okay? I was questioned about whether that was a real word. It's a real word, demoniac, okay? But he's going to free this demoniac, legion. And on his way, the enemy sends a storm trying to press Jesus to keep him from setting this demoniac free. But Jesus rebukes the winds and the waves, and they stop. So if the enemy sends it, we can rebuke it. But it's good to know who's doing it. Because if God is or, or the enemy, it, it's different on the way we can deal with it. Different strategies to deal with it. But you know what? In both situations, both boats, both J's, both Jesus, both right, and, and Jonah, both of them, good came from it. And God's glory was revealed through it. The whole, the whole nation of Nineveh was saved. They repented and came to God. The demoniac was set free and sent on a mission to evangelize a region that Jesus couldn't go into because they didn't want him there. And he said, no, I'll use you. You go. Reveal my glory to the people. So both situations, God brought good and revealed his glory. But this, this pressing process is, is never fun, man. But it's always necessary because we are not to be conformed to this world, but pressed so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So that we may be able to prove what the will of God is. That which is good, here's the word again, and acceptable. That's throughout the Bible, by the way. Acceptable sacrifice, acceptable will of God. Perfect and pleasing. Because there's a way that he accepts those who declare him as king. But this happens when we go through the pressing. This thing's getting hard, by the way. Come on, tell your neighbor, endure the pressing. Endure the pressing. Luke chapter five, back to our text. Back to our text. Jesus is preaching and teaching here about the pressing. That's what he's doing. He's teaching and preaching. And he's talking to some Pharisees and their minions, right? who are questioning him and challenging him, which by the way, just a sidebar, right? It's never smart to challenge, right? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's never a good thing to challenge the creator of all things, but they're doing it. They're challenging him by trying to compare him to John the Baptist and themselves, right? And what they say is, is, hey, why don't your disciples fast? And why don't you fast? Ours do, John's does, but yours eat and drink. You're a bunch of gluttons and drunkards. 
We're holier than you, Jesus, talking to the, the savior of the world. And Jesus begins to, to talk about the bridegroom and the guests. And, and this is where we, we need eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit's trying to reveal to us in the, in the text. Because what Jesus is talking about, he's the bridegroom, right? He's the bridegroom. The guests are those who are following him right then, who are there immediately with him. And what he's saying is he's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. While I'm here, my guests don't need to fast. They don't need to be pressed. I'm here with them. I'm gonna take the pressing. But one day when I'm, I'm gone, now it's shifting over to us, what's pertinent to us. One day I'll be gone. And in those days, they'll need to fast. And those days they will have to, have to rely on the pressing of the spirit to serve me. And now look, because the question, because he's questioned rather, in fasting, he uses fasting as the, the object lesson of, of the pressing. That's what he uses. And make no mistake about it, pressing. Fasting is pressing, I promise you. It will press you. If you don't believe me, go do it. Go do it. And I'm not talking about a diet or intermittent fasting. That's for us. That's for our health. We do it for ourselves, which is fine. Do that. But no, no, the fasting that Jesus is talking about is actually denying yourself food. It's food too. It's not social media, it's food. Food, denying yourself food with the intention of placing your attention solely upon him. And when we do that, when we do that type of fasting, man, the pressing of the spirit will come. And I'm telling you, our flesh will hate it and will be upset by it. But this is what Jesus is ultimately talking about. And, and, and his point is this, that it's a spiritual process, this pressing. And it happens time and time again throughout our lives. And in verse 37, he says, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled out on the ground. And the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be placed into fresh Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're fresh. Come on, somebody. Into fresh wineskin. See, God desires to conform us into his son, Jesus. He desires to shape us and mold us through pressing, through pressing and pruning and crushing. He desires to, to do this and take us from one degree of glory to the next degree of glory. That's what the word of God says. But that can only happen through the pressing and through the crushing. That's the only way that it happens because he wants to reveal his glory to us. It's all about his, his glory. See, our inner man, hear me, our inner man, our spirit is continually being renewed day in and day out, continually being renewed in Christ while our outer man is being renewed, renewed by Botox, but that's for another conversation, okay? <laughs> Our inner man, though, our spirit, continually being renewed. And so when Jesus is talking about the new and the old wineskin, he is talking about our inner man. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about our spirit. He calls it a new wineskin or a fresh wineskin. And again, Jesus isn't advocating for, for drinking. He's not, he's not saying go, go drink a bunch of wine. That's not what he's saying. He's using it as an illustration. The people who are challenging him, calling him a glutton and a drunk. So he uses wine to, to do the illustration. And what he is revealing to us is this. Wine is the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God. And our inner man is the wineskin. And God has to change it and crush it, our inner man, so that we can hold what he wants to pour into us. That's the point. So look, I did some research on wineskins, okay? And how you make a wineskin is you, you, you take the, the, the skin of the animal, right? And you press it out on a surface and you take oil and you rub the oil all over it, which by the way, oil represents the anointing. See, God sends his anointing to, to rub us and to love on us and to strengthen us to get through these pressing processes, but that's what it does. And, and, and in the pressing and in the rubbing of the oil, 
that wineskin becomes pliable. It becomes expandable. It becomes stretchable so it can hold the new wine. See, the, 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 the old wineskin, right? It used to just be able to hold, eh. Just, eh, it can hold, eh. But after the process, the pressing process, it can hold the, mm. It can hold the best of the best. And Jesus is saying to all of us, look, we, we have to have a fresh wineskin. And in order to do that, we gotta allow the spirit of God to press down on us. Because when we are pressed by God, what is in us will come out of us. Just like what we see down here, man, what's pressed here and what we see coming out is a bunch of grape juice because it's a bunch of grapes in there. And so what's in here is coming out through the pressing. It's the same in our lives. This is why we've got to be positioned for pressing. See, the Bible says that we are to be holy as he is holy. That happens in the pressing. It happens there. So that the things that are remained in us after the pressing are only things from him. What's left is, is him in us. See, God loves us so much that he doesn't leave us where he finds us. Thank you, Jesus. He doesn't leave me where he finds me every day, matter of fact. He'll take me from one degree of glory with him, one degree of revelation, one degree of faith to the next degree of faith. It's incredible. As we continue to pursue him. Listen, when we are in church, right, and there's a message that messes us up, you ever been messed up by a message? I know I have plenty of times. Matter of fact, this message messed me up. I said, man, Lord, you gotta crush me before I preach. But it messes us up. It hurts us. It convicts us. It, it causes offenses to rise up in us and we begin to point at others to get it off of us because we always do that. We're really good at it, matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, but that was for them, not for me. Right? We begin, begin pointing at all these other things too in life so, so that we don't have to deal with the pressing that is happening, the convicting. This is how God presses you and I. That's the spirit of God trying to press these things out, trying to make us into a fresh wineskin so that we can hold what God is trying to give. But too often we want to skip the pressing. We, wanna, we don't want to go through it. We don't like being convicted. We don't like that a righteous man falls seven times, but every time he gets back up, he's living a life of repentance. We, we don't really want to do that because to say sorry means I got to admit that I, I don't have it all together. To repent means I, you know, I, I got to be humble and I don't, I don't like that. I, I'd rather be prideful. And so, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. And so we can never go from, eh, to, mm, because we're not willing to deal with the pressing. And because we're not willing to deal with the pressing, what happens is our wineskin, our inner man has cracks in it. It has cracks in it. And so what we do is we begin to leak out what God has tried to pour in. That's what happens. This is why we'll come into church, right? We'll come in on a Sunday morning, man, and we'll have an encounter with God. We'll feel the presence of God. We'll have goosebumps from God. We'll have all this amazing sensations that will happen. We'll feel his peace and, 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 and his joy, and we'll feel all these things, and it remains an encounter because after Sunday's over, Monday rolls around, and we're still telling dirty jokes. Tuesday afternoon comes, and we're still looking at dirty pictures with our coworkers. Wednesday comes and we're cussing people out. <laughs> Road rage, praise God. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all the same old crap because it just remained an encounter. Because we can't be filled if there's cracks in our wineskins. And then we do it all over again. We come back in Sunday morning and God is so good that he encounters us again. He's incredible. He's so good. And he does it to us again, but then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, same thing, same exact thing. It remains just an encounter because of the cracks in our wineskin. Because we haven't allowed God to press us enough to renew and to freshen the wineskin so that we can be completely set free from all those things that try to, to bind us. But you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. 
God desires to press us so he can free us because we have to be transformed. And he does it through the pressing and the, and the crushing. Did you know this? Did you know this? The Bible says this, that he will give in good measure, okay, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and it will run over and be placed in your lap. Kind of like me at a buffet, right? I go get too much on one plate and it just starts falling in my lap, right? This is how God wants to fill you and I. Psalms 23 says, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, God doesn't want us leaking. God wants us overflowing, overflowing with his presence, overflowing with his anointing, overflowing with his power. This is what he wants. He desires for a people to be overflowing. That's why Jesus said, I came to give life and life more what? Abundantly. I want it to overflow in you. That's what I want. And the reason he wants to, 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 to fill us up to overflowing is because he wants those around us to be impacted by what God has poured into us. That's what it's about. But if we don't go through the pressing, we'll always be leaking because of the cracks in our wineskins. And listen to me, cracks are different for each individual because we all have different struggles. We all have different cracks. I mean, cracks are, are things like pornography and, and racism and, and sexual immorality and homosexuality and anger and divisions and rivalries and things such as these, Paul says. These are the cracks in our wineskins. And we need God by the Spirit. Hear me, because the Bible says it's not by power nor by might. So, so in other words, you're not gonna wake up one day and go from meh to mmm just because you decided to. Because your will is strong enough. No, 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 no. It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. We go from meh to mm, because his spirit presses us and begins to mold us and shape us and encourage us and then convict us and build us right back up. This is what he does for us. It's in the pressing, the crushing, and the pruning that God is making. Making a wineskin that will hold the new wine. The best example that I can give you, that I could come up with to prove this is Christ crucified. It's the best example from going from crushing to blessing, from pressing to blessing. Because listen, when Jesus walked the earth, it was good. It was good. The miracles that he performed was amazing, right? It was terrific. He was able to transform an entire region on foot and by boat. It was amazing. It was great. But after he was pressed on the cross, after he was crushed for our iniquities, now in retrospect, him walking the earth was, meh, it's good, meh. But now it's, mm. Now it's incredible because through the one man's sacrifice, the many are made righteous. Matter of fact, Jesus speaks of this. He says, it's better that I go. It's better that I leave you because after I do, after I'm crushed and after I'm pressed, man, you guys will receive a blessing like none other. And because Jesus was willing to go through his pressing, now we all have the right to Abraham's blessing because he went through the pressing. The right to be called children of the most high God. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how many people would be touched, be touched through us if we would allow God to press us. I wonder. How many people would be touched through us if we would allow God to press all that garbage out of us and be willing to let him use us? Verse 39, Jesus goes on though and he begins to explain the why. Why we settle in the struggle. Why we're okay not to go through the pressing. And this is what he says. He says, no one after drinking the old wine wishes for the new for he says the old is good enough the meh it's good enough it's, it's good I've heard so many people come to me and say to me I just want the old days back before the pandemic 
Matter of fact, I've said it myself. I just want things to go back to the old way. I, I liked what we had before. But do you know this? The biggest hindrance to a new move of God is the old move of God. Ask the Jews. They couldn't get past the new move. They couldn't get past the old move to see the new move. They couldn't do it. Why? Because we become comfortable in the old. The old's good enough. I mean, I really don't have to do all this because my, my marriage is meh, meh. But if I, if I would do, it's good enough. We become comfortable in our depression. We become comfortable in our addiction. We become comfortable in our anxieties. We, we become comfortable with these things that are in, in our lives and plaguing our lives with the cracks in the wineskin. We become comfortable with the old. It's good enough. But see, God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing something brand new. I'm doing a new thing right smack dab in the middle of COVID-19. I wanna do something new. The old has passed away. Behold, I'm making all things brand new. And I will use COVID-19 and the pandemic to press you. Even though I'm not the one that sent the sickness. Praise God, I won't tell you who did that. I'm not political. He'll use it. He'll use it. He says, I'll use it to press you. Because I know some of you are hurting. You're hurting financially. You're hurting emotionally. You're hurting. But I see you. And I promise I'll bring good out of it for you. Just trust me. It's the ultimate trust game. It's the ultimate surrender. The struggle never really bothers me. My problem isn't my struggle. My problem is my surrender. That's my problem. When I'm dealing with things in my life that try to plague me from my past, it's not because I'm really worried about the struggle. It's because I won't surrender. I got it. I'm cool. I'm good in the old. But God says, I want to do a new thing. The old now has passed away. You can't have it. It's gone. Behold, all things are brand new. And so you better let me press you so that I can fill you with the new that I have for you. The pressing brings about the new wineskin so that we can hold the new wine that God wants to pour in our lives. He wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. We don't have to remain comfortable in our struggle. We don't, we don't have to remain there. We don't have to feel, we don't have to figure out how to deal with the old and the eh. When we can have mmm. When we can have mmm, I can taste and see that the Lord is good. It can be more than just church. It really can. It can be more than just saying hi to friends, man. It can be so much more than just coming in and sitting for an hour and a half and checking off a box on a list. So much more. If we allow God to press us in the midst of the process. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Please. We have to stop wishing for the old so that we can behold the new. Because if we wish for the old, we'll miss the new, I promise you. God is pressing us during this time right now. See it, recognize it. Because he's wanting to pour out something brand new within us. Allow God to do it. Ask God for it. Give God the license to do it in your life. God, here you go. You can have me, all of me. I surrender it to you. You can press me. You can crush me. You can cut me because I trust you. Do what you want. Because I desire to have a faith that endures to the end. The only type of saving faith. Faith that is acceptable only unto God. This happens through the pressing, church. Not because you decide it but because you deal with the pressing and you trust God in it. That's why James says, rejoice in trials of many kinds because know that the testing of your faith, the pressing of your faith will produce perseverance. So that you got faith that endures to the end. That's what this does. 
Trust God because he'll use it to bring something glorious out of your life. Things that you'll never thought was possible him to do in your life, he'll do it. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Listen, the very first step of surrender is giving our heart to Jesus. That's the first step. We got to do that first. We have to say, Lord, I I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. We got to say that first. That's the first step of surrender. That's the first pressing moment. Denying yourself, picking up your cross and following him. That's the first pressing moment. Listen, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, or you have and you just feel like you haven't, you haven't been walking towards him, but rather you've been trying to get away from him. Lift your hand. I want to pray for you really quickly here. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you've seen those hands that were just lifted. I thank you for them. I thank you for their heart to want to, want to be pressed by you. And I pray, God, that they would have encounters with you like they never thought possible from this day forward. And I pray that this new wineskin, this fresh wineskin you are giving, would, Lord, you would just pour out the new wine upon them. Fill them with your joy and your peace. I pray that in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I just lift up everybody else, God, that's in here. God, I pray for endurance to run this race so that we can receive the crown of life that you have promised to us who have endured it. God, help us to be a people who want to be pressed by you, who ask you to press us. I pray by your spirit, Lord, that you draw each and every one of us closer to you Closer and closer. I pray right now by your spirit, God, that there would be a hunger for your word birthed in every man, woman, and child in this place. A hunger for your word. And Lord, I thank you for it. And Lord, I speak a blessing over your people. I speak protection over them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.